Hello and welcome to FPL Context with me, Steve. And me, Greg. So first thing you're probably wondering is, who are these guys? And that's a fair enough question. Um, so I'll start. So first off, we are brothers. Um, I'm Stephen. Last season, I got my best finish with finishing it within the top 1K. And I have a degree in economics. So I know my supply and demands. I know my way around a spreadsheet. Uh, so I've just joined the Twitter FPL community. And it's been fantastic so far to interact with so many different accounts, especially with people who have the same kind of passion for the game that we do. And this is one of the main reasons why we've really wanted to get involved and this podcast came alive. Um, Greg, do you want, do you want to talk about, talk about you? Okay, yeah, so I'm Greg. Um, I'm currently studying a master's in computer science. So just like Steve, I kind of know my way around a spreadsheet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my top finish in FPL so far is in the top 100k. So uh, not quite Steve's level yet. And I need to improve on that this season so I don't live that down. I don't think you'll ever be getting that level. <laughs> we'll see how it goes, see how it goes. A long season ahead. Um, but yeah. How about you quickly tell uh, the listeners how much I've been bragging for the last month? It's been it's been almost unbearable to be honest guys. Almost. <laughs> um yeah and I guess one thing to add is we're both massive United fans. So um there may be a little bit of bias towards some of their assets, but we'll try, we'll try and be as neutral as possible. Um, so, yeah. So, what is FPL context? Uh, simply, what we're going to do is each game, we're going to try and put the results and the player performances into context for you guys away from the noise of social media. Obviously, with a lot of people speaking on Twitter, it's quite difficult to pick out exactly what you think. And... One of the things also we're going to be doing is we're going to be delving into goal scorer probabilities, clean sheet probabilities, and that's something that will come in the future. We're going to introduce someone new called Stats Lad, but like I said, that's for a future podcast. And really, what we want to get over is our rivalry between each other and with differential picks each week. And we just want you guys to have fun. So that's the main thinking behind FPL Context. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to start with is obviously we've had the prices, we've had the fixtures. So me and Greg are going to quickly run through our two must-have picks and one avoid. So we'll start off with the must-have picks. Uh, Greg, who do you who do you have? Okay, so my first must-have pick, which probably won't be a surprise to many people, is Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think he's one that will be many people's must-have pick. Um, just because of he's obviously got great assisting capabilities. He's shown that in previous seasons. He's the top point scoring defender on FPL um, by quite a margin as well. I think it's about about 30 points to the second place defender. So, um, and we all know how strong Liverpool's defence is and how capable he is of whipping across. So I just see it as another great option again this year. Yeah, well, it's crazy to think that Trent's had 28 assists over the last two seasons combined and five goals, which is just, it's just unbelievable in terms of, like you said, that attacking potential. Were you expecting Trent to be more than 7.5? Um, so I was slightly surprised that he was only 7.5 because usually defenders aren't priced that highly, to be fair. But I know 
Leighton Baines is one who got an eight mil price um, price at the start of FPL one year. And I thought Trent was going to match that just because he's shown how capable he is of scoring points in FPL. He's the perfect FPL defender. So I am slightly surprised he is an eight mil, which makes him even better to choose because 7.5, I think, really is a bargain. Would, uh, would you have got him in at eight? Yeah, I probably would have. I think he's an absolute must-have, even at 8. Yeah, Even at 8.5. <laughs> yeah, I'm just quickly looking at his current ownership, and it's 56.5%. So, obviously, before the season starts, I'm expecting that to be around the 60% mark, which is, which is ridiculous, really. So, if you want to get any, any value or any extra impetus over other players with Liverpool's clean sheet potential, you're probably looking at, you're going to need another Liverpool defender in there to partner Trent, to be honest. 100%. But I also think the reason Trent's so important is because if if he does, which you will expect him to score big points, if you don't have him in your team, you're going to get left behind by the high ownership. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and who do you have for your second pick? So my second pick is Aubameyang. Okay. Um, so the reasons for this are he's a midfielder on FPL this year, which is, I think is a huge bonus for him because that means an extra point for every goal he scores. And we all know how many goals he can score. He's got 22 in his last two seasons Yeah, each season. So he's definitely got great goal scoring potential. He is Arsenal's main man, a lot of people would say. Um, Arsenal are looking improved under Arteta. And also with him being a midfielder, he'll get the extra clean sheet points. Um and Arteta have made, has made Arsenal look better defensively as well. So you can expect more of those. I think there's just a lot of value in him as a midfielder. Do you, yeah, obviously that extra one point for goals and the extra one point for clean sheets makes him an even more appetising captaincy option. But is him being priced the same price as Salah a problem if you had to choose between one of those two? I know obviously we're going to your draft later on, but he's expensive. So obviously you will need to captain Aubameyang a lot of the time. Um, are you convinced that the likes of Pepe, the likes of Willian are going to be able to offer him more service and maybe even break that 22 goal mark that he's been getting each season? Yeah, I definitely think he's capable of scoring even more goals. I think with an improved Arsenal team this year, bringing in the likes of Willian, hopefully an improved Pepe, uh, I think he will potentially get more service as well, as so I think there's potential for even more goals. It is an interesting point, him being the same price as Salah, with Salah being such an incredible FPL option always. Um, it's definitely a high price range, but I just think he's got the goal-scoring stats to prove that he, he's worth it, especially as a midfielder. Yeah, and I think all eyes on Lacazette, really. If Lacazette is to leave... He's been linked with the likes of Atletico, link, uh, linked with the likes of Juventus. If he was to leave, then Abamyang down the middle, he becomes an even better option, a centre-forward, reclassified midfielder. It's just things what dreams are made of. Obviously, they've got Fulham first, and then they've got West Ham at home. So those first two fixtures, I know I'm captain in him. Uh, so, yeah, a great option. 100%. So what I'll do is I'll quickly go through mine. Um, now, there's no bias for this one. Um, my first one is the Portuguese magician, that is Bruno Fernandes. Now, oh, the best player in the world. The best player in the world. Best player yeah. in the Premier League. <laughs> Sit down, KDB. <laughs> but basically, he'd be 
transformed our season. January, I remember Burnley came to Old Trafford and they absolutely, well, it was just embarrassing. Like we couldn't get past their defensive line. We had no creativity. We had no potential of scoring goals, especially against the low block. Bruno comes in and all that's changed. So since Bruno's come in, he's got eight goals and eight assists in the league. He's on penalties. He's on free kicks. He's on corners. To be honest, if he wants to be on throw-ins, he could be on throw-ins too. <laughs> he can take whatever he wants. Goal kick. Um, yeah. And another thing about Bruno is that he was averaging around eight points per game, which makes him a fantastic captaincy option and very consistent. And I think the price value at 10.5 is actually fantastic value for him. And now, obviously, we're going to have all the rival fans calling him Fernandez and basically saying that the only reason that he's returned so highly is because of the amount of penalties Man United got. That's, that's a fair point, but... If you watch the games, he's integral to everything they do as an attacking force. And there were so many times where he had put in perfect balls from corners and Maguire was just hitting it on his square head and it was going into Rosette each time. So that's extra point potential there. And I think with United's forward line, three wingers, you can expect that kind of level of penalties again this season. Yeah. Um, and especially if Sancho, if Sancho comes in, Sancho won 10 penalties last season in the Bundesliga. So you're talking about three tricky wingers plus Sancho. I just can't see that potential of penalties really decreasing that much. Yeah, I was, that was a question I was going to ask. Do you think, um, obviously a lot of rival fans recently have been saying that the amount of penalties are unsustainable. It's just um, referees or the VAR biasing United. But do you think it's deeper and more to do with United's attacking line and it can be expected to see more penalties because I guess that is a huge, um, that's a huge point with Bruno because he takes all the penalties. He's going to score a lot of points if United can uh, remain um, with getting so many penalties as they did last season. Yeah, I think that level of penalties is sustainable for United just because of the makeup of their attacking lineup. You've got three wingers, all quick, all tricky, all like to dribble, all very, all got very good close control within the box. It's just, it, especially with VAR, it just makes it impossible for the slower defenders in the league, especially as they get tired, to really deal with that. And I just think those kind of penalty, those levels of penalties are going to continue. Um, and then my, my next pick is um, Danny Ings. Now, Danny Ings obviously has had lots of troubles with injury over over the years. And last year, it was fantastic to see him stay fit throughout. And he got 22 goals last season. And let's be honest, Southampton were, were, were awful in the first half of the season, getting slapped for nine against Leicester. And Hassan Hootel has done a fantastic job to really turn them around. And there's been a real momentum with them, especially post-lockdown. And... One thing about Ings is they only face one top four side in their first 10 games, which makes them an even better option for me. And I've seen a lot of people go for Che Adams, but I think the reason people are going for Adams is because they don't want to use the money on Ings. But he's worth it, guys. He's worth it. And Saints only lost one game post-lockdown. 
like I said, the real momentum. We both saw them at Old Trafford, Greg. Yeah. To be honest, they were the better team. Yeah. So I think Ings is a great option, especially for the first 10 fixtures. So I guess a lot of um, people will be looking towards the likes of Werner, maybe Martial, maybe the likes of Kane. Would you say Ings is a must-have striker above those options? I think for that price point, um, obviously he was two point. He's two million cheaper than Kane. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it. This is a prediction which you guys can hold me to. I think Ings will outscore Kane in the first ten games. Really. And I know that seems bold, but I just think Ings's fixtures are perfect. And even though Spurs have good fixtures. We know what Jose is like. Spurs are get 1-0 up, 2-0 up, and that's it, lads. Let's play five at the back. Let's play five midfield, and let's all just wait. And that is, that we know Jose. So yeah. I think Ings, in the spot, style of football that Hassan Hootel plays, he's a better option than Kane, especially with the value. The only person I would put alongside him is Jimenez, Mr. Consistent. But I just feel like Ings' early fixtures, especially within the first eight to 10, just sway it for me. And I think Ings is a great pick. Okay. Okay. I so agree. I think Ings is a great option as well. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to say all mine are a great option after last year. <laughs> <laughs> um, see about that. <laughs> uh, so we'll go into the avoids. Now there's a couple, well, my one I was absolutely stunned with. But I'll let you go first. Uh, who's your avoid for this season? Okay, so my avoid for this season will be the mighty Lord Lundstrom, I think. Lord and saviour. Yeah, I think unfortunately this year he's gone from hero to zero because of his def- uh, move from defence to midfield. I think the fact that it's taken away his clean sheet potential, um, it's a huge loss for um, him as an FPL option. And with the likes of Henderson leaving Sheffield United, I think that as well. Um, Sheffield United may struggle a bit more. And also due to the fact that he's now priced, he was four mil last year, which was incredible value, the lowest a player could possibly be. But now he's gone up to 5.5 as a midfielder. I just, I can't see the value there anymore. Do you um, do you think Ramsdale's going to be able to fill Henderson's shoes? I, I really can't see it. I think, I think they're going to struggle this year. I do think Ramsdale is a quality keeper from what I saw of him at Bournemouth. I think especially during Bournemouth's relegation battle, I thought Ramsdale was a standout figure. I thought he was really good for them. Um, but as you say, I, I think Henderson's top level, especially last season, he had a great season. Despite a few mistakes here and now, I thought he was really, really solid and a big part of Sheffield United's success last season. So I think him leaving will be quite a big problem for them. Yeah, and I guess with Lundstrom... Um, his attacking potential seemed great last season because he was a defender. And obviously, like you said, he was at four. So he had great value. But at 5.5, when you put him alongside the likes of Armstrong, you put him alongside the likes of St. Maximum, you just don't really you just don't really see that value anymore. Yeah, and another thing is um, with Sanderberg being in at Sheffield United now, I yeah, think his well, playing time his playing time will be lacking. Um you started to see it a bit last season. I think he came off the bench a fair few times. Um, he isn't um, a solid starting option. So I think that as well um, 
it, it may be a case of waiting and seeing, but I can't see him getting that much playing time next season. Not enough to justify paying the five point five mil. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a good one. I think, guys, avoid the Lord. <laughs> um, so mine is Bobby Firmino, and it's not just because because he's a Liverpool player, but first of all, nine point five million. Um, I think someone was having a laugh at Fantasy FPL when they'd done that one. Uh, he's well too expensive for what he offers. Um, he only got nine goals last season. And I guess the key thing about Firmino is that he takes up a precious Liverpool asset. And when Liverpool have so many good options, especially in defence midfield, it just doesn't make sense. You have the likes of Van Dijk, Trent, Robbo, Salah, Mane... Like some brilliant options there. Yeah, I'd even rather Al- rather Allison over Firmino. Um, so looking at him as an option, then you have to see people within his price point. And you look at the likes of Werner. You look at like Aguero only being one million um, more expensive. Kane one more one million more expensive, and then you got the likes of Martial cheaper. You've got the likes of Jimenez cheaper, likes of Ings cheaper, and they all outscored him last season. So he really is a bigger void for me, guys. Um, so with Firmino, he had quite a low scoring points season last season, but he has performed well in the past, in previous seasons before that. Do you think maybe last season was just a blip, or are you certain that this year will be similar as last year, where it doesn't really seem like he's a justifiable option with so many strong Liverpool assets? Yeah, I just think that his his price is just not the value. If he was yeah. eight million, maybe I'd consider it. But the fact yeah. that he's nine point five, I'd need him to score like fifteen plus goals, near twenty goals, at especially to take a premium striker. Um, especially when you have the likes of Rashford price at nine point five midfield, and like Werner, we don't know, we don't know what we're going to get from him, but he seems like an explosive option. You just look at people around his price point, it just doesn't seem like there's much value in Firmino at all. Yeah. And um, that's the main reason why I think I think he'll have a very low ownership this year. Yeah. Um, okay, so what we're going to do now, guys, is we're going to quickly go through Greg's initial draft. Now, obviously, Greg wants to let you know that this is very rough. Uh, only done it fairly recently. I know the prices have come out, the fixtures have come out. So we're just going to read through what Greg, Greg's got and then talk about the thinking behind those. Yeah, feel free to rip this team apart, guys. Um, any feedback will be nice at this stage because I think there are a lot of improvements to, to be had still. Yeah, so make sure you get in the comments, guys, and just let Greg know what you think of his team. Um, I've already let him know behind the scenes, but I'm not going to swear on this. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> So what we'll do is we'll quickly go through by position and then we'll just talk through, Greg, exactly why you're thinking that. Um, so, first of all, in goal, you've got Alex McCarthy. Yeah. Very popular option. Yeah. And then you've got Steer. Obviously, you've gone for the cheapest option in terms of um, a bench fodder option, no rotation there. So, 8.5 million spent in total. Yeah. McCarthy, the thinking... Mostly behind the fixtures? Yeah, so Southampton obviously have a great start to the season. Um, 
And I think they'll start the season strongly under Hassan Hootel. They had a great end to last season, I think. They'll um, come into this one confident and on good form. So with their nice run of fixtures, I think you can expect a few clean sheets from them. And I think um, McCarthy, in terms of a 4.5 mil option, I think he's um, arguably the best option. Yeah, because at the moment it seems like it's between him and Matt Ryan, doesn't it? Um, and that's where most of the ownership's going between those two for the 4.5 marks. Uh, but what we can see, so in Greg's defence, he has obviously Trent. Yeah. He's got Justin from Leicester, Lamptey from Brighton, Vinagre, and then Ferguson from Palace. Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, we won't talk about Trent because Trent's the obvious one. We've already speak, spoke about him. Yeah. But I'm quite interested in Vinagre. So, obviously, there was a story yesterday that Maitland-Niles is close to joining Wolves. Uh, it seems like that left wing-back place is now under threat. Are you worried about Vinagre? If Maitland-Niles signs, will you move him out? I am definitely worried about Vinagre if Maitland-Niles does sign. It's one I'm waiting to see what happens with. Because I feel like Maitland-Niles was playing wing-back for Arsenal a lot of the time. I think he'll definitely rival Vinagre for that position whilst Johnny is injured. Um, so I could see Vinagre's playing time being lacking if Maitland-Niles does come in. It may be one to watch um, how it materialises in pre-season. But um, I think the risk alone of Maitland-Niles being there would drive me away from Vinagre if that deal does come through, to be honest. But I think... Until that deal is done, I think he's a good option just because I feel a Wolves defender is essential at 4.5. I think they're a top side. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Wolves' uh, defence, we all know how good that is, especially since Bolly came back. Uh, and then, interestingly, you've got you've got Justin from Leicester. Obviously, um, Pereira is still injured. Justin looks like he's going to play. Um right back for Leicester, especially at the start of the season. They've got three clean sheets post-lockdown. 4.5 seems a bit of a bargain, doesn't it? Yeah, I think the 4.5 um, price range is really what um, does it for me. It's just to be able to get a Leicester asset in at 4.5 mil, I think. Um, really good deal. And him um, playing right back whilst Pereira is injured, I think it's a great way to get a Leicester player into your team. I guess the biggest fear is what Leicester are we going to get? Because obviously the Leicester started the first two thirds of the season were very impressive. And then post lockdown, they just fell off a cliff and they were useless. So it really depends, I guess. And I guess pre-season is going to be a good indicator of that, of what Leicester we're going to get. 100%. I think personally, I think they'll regroup and have a strong start. Um, I think they'll have another good season. I don't think they'll continue their post-lockdown form. I think they are a good side. It's just they were they were riddled by injury, which they, they still are to an extent, but I think they'll come out stronger. And I do think there is a risk that they may struggle, but it's not enough of a risk for me to um, drive away from Justin. I think it's one of those where see how the season starts, um, go from there, really. Yeah. Okay, so in midfield, Greg's got Abamyang, Salah, St. Maximum, Ziyech and Bruno. Now, obviously, Bruno blanks game week one. So is the plan to bench him? Yeah. So Fernandes is going to be on the bench for game week one with him not playing. Um, 
the main thinking behind that is just bring him in game week two. I want a way of transitioning him into the team without having to potentially do a wild card or take a hit. I just want him there ready for game week two. Yeah. I think with Bruno, you'll see that a lot of wild cards will be used for game week two to bring in those United and City assets. And I think his price will rocket very quickly. And I won't be su- surprised if there's a price range even before game week two begins. So having him in early, um, even though you can't play the first game week, it's probably a good option. 100%. I do think he'll get early price rises. I think once the first game week's out of the way, I think you'll see an increase in price. So you've also got Aubameyang and Salah. Now, for most of us, that's the big captaincy debate for game week one. Who are you erring to? on the, on Whose side are you erring on at the moment? So I'm definitely leaning towards Aubameyang at the moment for the first game week. Um, my thinking behind this is I think Fulham um, is Arsenal's fixture and I think Fulham's defence wasn't the best. So I can imagine Arsenal getting a few goals in there and I think Aubameyang will be at the forefront of that. I think he has more potential for a high score, unlike Salah, where I think Salah still has good potential for a high score, but with them playing Leeds in their first game, I think Leeds are a real decent side. I think they'll start the season strong. They'll be up for it. And I, even though I think Liverpool will probably beat them, I don't think it's going to be uh, a very high-scoring game. So I think overall, Aubameyang is the one I'm leading towards. Yeah, and I think I've got some good stats about that up, Greg. Um, so from Aubameyang's 22 goals last season, he scored four against the top six, seven against the mid-table eight, and then for the bottom six, he scored 11 goals. So half of his goals came against the bottom six. You'd expect Fulham to be within that bottom six by the end of the season. So a lot of things point to Aubameyang being a great captaincy option for game week one. 100%. Um, okay. And then St. Maximum, now 5.5. He's a very popular option. What would you, like would you like about him? Obviously... He done well last year, but he didn't really set the world alight in terms of points. Do you think he'll be better this year? I think he'll come out stronger next year. I think he ended the season really well last year, um, showed his flair and electricity, and I think you'll be um, seeing more of that next season. Um, I think he's one of the focal points of the Newcastle team, and I think 5.5 mil, that's the best part about him. That's a really good price for someone who will be trying to score goals, trying to make assists a lot of the time. I think he's one of those budget midfielders which could really uh, rack up the points for you throughout the season. Yeah, and I think also you've got to remember he was new to the league. So sometimes it takes a little bit of time to bed in, but post-lockdown he was he looked great. So I think he's a good option. He obviously got three assists against Bournemouth. So yeah, he looks a great option at that price. Now, these two, you've got Ziyech and you've got Werner up front. So Greg's playing a 4-5-1. Um, looking at Ziyech, he's in my side too. And at 8 million, I think he's, he's great value. So last season, he got six goals and 12 assists. And obviously, they called off the, the uh, Dutch league off a bit early. And with the likes of Havertz coming in, uh, you've got Werner, you've got Mount. There's so many options, obviously, when Pulisic comes back. You just think that ZX just going to be that magician, just putting assists on a plate for those guys. 100%. I think 
Chelsea are coming in strong next year. The amount of signings they're bringing in, bringing an absolute army with them. Um, the likes of Ziyech, Havertz, Werner, I think their attacking potential next year is going to be quite scary. It'll be interesting to see how they all bed in, but they've got so many flair options now. And I think Ziyech will be one which will do really well for them. I think he'll be um, an integral part of that attack. Like, as a United fan, how gutting is it watching it at the moment? <laughs> it's really frustrating because Chelsea, they look like they're going to bring in like every man and their dog, but we United just aren't doing anything. Like, it's just, it's incredible, yeah, really. United can't even afford the dog. <laughs> it's incredible the business they're doing. Like, the way they're bringing in signing after signing is, it's, um, it's really impressive. It's scary stuff. Every day, you turn on the news, something new is happening with them. Well, I just can't get my head around that United don't have a director of football. If you like, if you look at Ed Woodward's negotiation skills, so okay, I'll play. I'll play Woodward going to Leicester last season. Hey, hey, yeah. So this is Ed. Sorry, sorry. Who's Ed? Uh, you know Ed Woodward, C- CEO at Manchester. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, Ed. Um, how much for Maguire? Oh, that'd be uh, eighty million, Ed. No way, no way. Okay, cool. Month later. Hey, um, this is Ed again. Ed? Ed? You know Ed Woodward? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See you at Manchester United. How much for Maguire? Uh, that'd be 80 million again, Ed. Oh, okay. Uh, do you take Amazon vouchers? No, no. No, <laughs> sorry. No, sorry. Okay. Yeah, I'll come back to you. I'll come back to you. Um, month later. Hey, guys, it's, it's Ed again. <laughs> I was just wondering how much for Maguire. Yeah, it, it's still 80 million, Ed. Okay, yeah, we'll take that deal. <laughs> okay. Uh, can you tell the press it was 75 million? Uh, no, no, we can't. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, good deal, good deal. That is, <laughs> that is Ed Woodward. Deal. Honestly, right. it's, it's painful. It's so painful. Like... Uh, it's just like you said it's just every day you find yourself looking on Twitter typing in Sancho and nothing happens so I just find it I know there's been rumoured recently of Chilwell to Chelsea for what 50 million and I just think how are Chelsea getting him for 50 million but we are to pay 80 million for Maguire like I just I, I feel like we're being mugged off by Leicester yeah to be honest maybe I've got it wrong maybe um, they maybe Ed rang up Leicester and said how much for Maguire and they went 40 million and he went how about 80 and they went yeah alright then (laughs) nothing would surprise me (laughs) Um, so anyway going back to your going back to your team so up front you've got Werner now obviously I've seen people say they're worrying about him fitting into the league he's new to league we don't know how he's going to perform let me just quickly give you guys some stats so last season he got 28 goals and 8 assists and he was the penalty taker for Leipzig. He took three penalties and he scored all three. Now, with William gone at Chelsea, he becomes the penalty taker. I think he's a brilliant option. 9.5 is great value. And when you're class, you're class. You look at the likes of Bruno. If you're, if you're good enough, you'll hit the ground running straight away. So I'm expecting a big impact from him early on. Uh, what do you think of Werner? Obviously, you've got him in. So, um, I can be held to this, but I think there's absolutely no doubt that he's going to score many, many goals this season. I think he's a proven goal scorer. 
Uh, he looks electric in attack. He's so fast, so good at finishing. And I think he'll just adapt really well to the Premier League and he'll score goals. And with Chelsea's, Chelsea's attacking lineup, he's just going to be at the forefront of all of it. He's going to be getting assisted by the likes of Ziyech, Pulisic. Everything, everything will lead towards him getting many goals. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the top goal-scoring attackers um, this season. Yeah, and obviously when you look at the likes of Verts coming in, 12 goals last season, six assists, it's, it's pretty scary going. Um, I think one thing I do want to say to the viewers, though, is Greg has the most Poundland bench you'll ever see. So he's got Connor Wickham and Keenan Davies. Now, <laughs> basically the Chuckle brothers are sitting on Greg's bench. Uh, have you thought about maybe strengthening that a bit more? But obviously with that 4-5-1 formation... You're just going to be trusting Werner, aren't you? Yeah, so I'm definitely putting a lot of trust in Werner. I've just, I've really piled in in my midfield, to be honest. I've just put all my money in there. I just think all the expensive options in midfield are such good options. I found it hard to leave any of them out. So it led yeah. to me um, getting the likes of Wickham, who I do think is a quality player, by the way. Um, you joking? But... <laughs> I've seen a lot of him. I really like him. I might, I might start him over Werner. <laughs> um, but I just He's think got five star skills and FIFA, any? <laughs> yeah, he once scored a hat trick for me on career mode. So um, <laughs> nah. obviously, guess what we're looking for is we're looking for Brewster to move, aren't we? Yeah, so I think Brewster, if he does get a low move into the Prem at four point five mil, he's going to be a great bench option um, to bring on or to even use potentially just a, a fantastic enabler in order to spend money elsewhere. Um, so fingers crossed something like that happens and I can ship one of my budget strikers out for him because obviously unfortunately I don't think Wickham or Davis will be getting many if any minutes this season Um, so it would be good to have bench players who actually played yeah no cool Um, so like I said our next podcast we're going to be going through my team and we're going to start introducing our brother differentials so how that's going to work is I'm going to name a, name a differential pick for the game week. Greg's going to name one. And each game week, we're going to toss up who's got the best. It's going to be me. Um, but still, Greg reckons he's got a chance. So that's something for you guys to follow. Please put feedback from today's podcast in there. Feel free to slate Greg's team in the comments. And Just wait till you see Steve's team. Just wait till you see it. Mate, was- top one... Top 1K last year. <laughs> Mine's a gold mine compared to his. <laughs> and don't and worry about the differential thing, mate. I'll be winning that. And when I win it, we'll, be see, we'll see who's laughing. <laughs> and then uh, we're also going to be introducing a bit more of a statistical side to the podcast too, moving forward, introducing Stats Lad. And he's brilliant at basically giving probabilities of goal scorers, probabilities of clean sheets, and breaking down some comparisons for you guys of who's more likely to score each game week between the, the premium assets and also clean sheet potential. So that'll be a great that'll be great for future podcasts too. So for now, um, what I'll say is please follow us at FPL Context on Twitter. Um, please find Greg at Greg Evers FI, and please find me at FPL underscore Steve. Follow us. Let us know what you think of the first podcast. Anything that you want us to talk about, any questions you have that you'd like us to answer, then we're more than happy to interact with you guys. So, yeah, 
So for now, thanks, Greg. Thank you very much, guys. I'll see you and, in the next podcast. Yeah, and we'll talk again. Thank you. Bye. Bye.